имя Отця и Сына и Святого Духа. Аминь. Слава Иисусу Христу! Glory to Jesus Christ! Perhaps you've uh, noticed how many times uh, today we have sung those words, uh, Save your people, O Lord, and bless your inheritance. Preserve uh, your community. Sorry. Um, Grant victory to your faithful people against enemies and protect your community by your cross. As a matter of fact, every time that we utter the words, save your people and bless your inheritance in our tradition, we make the sign of the cross. Very often, towards the end of the liturgy, there is the prayer behind the amble, that's what it's called. And uh, you won't hear it today because some Sundays have a special prayer behind the amble, as does today's. But uh, you hear that phrase right in the middle of uh, that prayer, and we should make the sign of the cross when we hear that. Because save your people and bless your inheritance is tied to the cross and what the Lord does through the cross he does save us his people and bless his inheritance the Lord in today's gospel um, offers us a, a rather unique a recruitment tool, right? If you want to get more people to uh, follow you and get involved in your movement, you go out and say, uh, if you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross and follow me. Anyone who tries to save his life will lose it. But he who loses it for my sake and for the gospel, will save it. Wonderful recruiting tool, don't you think? In today's world, um, you might get one or two people who would sign up. Um, it's a tall order, isn't it? Uh, take up your cross and follow me. As I've mentioned many times before in this parish, the problem is that we don't want to take up our cross, we want to take up someone else's cross. Someone else's cross always seems lighter to us, and we'd like to carry that one. Lord, couldn't I uh, carry Bill Gates's cross? Or uh, the Oracle of Omaha, what's his name? Um, yeah, Warren Buffett. <clears throat> I'd like to carry his cross. Or maybe uh, Jeff Bezos. That would be a cross I'd like to carry. No, you wouldn't. Because your cross is custom made for you. 
And we think, so why do I need a cross at all? Why does this have to enter into the picture? And the picture is a gruesome one. Because remember, the cross was an instrument of execution. Now we wear it and beautifully adorned. This one is uh, silver-plated, but uh, my, I wear this during uh, the Great Fast because it's a step down from the cross that I was given when they made me a uh, mitered proto-presbyter. George Weigel, the famous Catholic author, once asked me, uh, Father Andri, what, what exactly is a mitered proto-presbyter? And it's a, it's a priest who's given a bishop's mitre to wear, and he's given uh, a jeweled cross and all of that. And uh, it's to set him apart amongst the clergy. So my answer to uh, George Weigel was, first, George, you have to know that it has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. That's the first thing you have to know. And then I was just about to be introduced, and the, the, uh, one of our uh, Shiptitsky Institute students, who uh, later became a, a lecturer at our institute, said during his introduction. Well, it's a funny thing, but uh, uh, Father Andri just told George Weigel that uh, being a mitered proto-presbyter has little to do with Jesus Christ. And I had to interrupt him. I said, that's not what I said. I said, it has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Not little to do with him. All these honorifics What's that all about? Our leader, Jesus Christ, died an ignominious and horrible death on the cross. One of the worst tools of execution ever invented by the sick human mind, by the fallen intellect. Because you didn't just die quickly, as in hanging or in um, having your head chopped off. This was a lingering death, and you finally actually choked to death. Because when you have your arms extended like this, you can't open your ribcage. So you die of asphyxiation. But it takes hours to get there because your lungs have to fill up with fluid until you can't breathe anymore. Can you imagine walking around with a little electric chair around your neck? When the early Christians started wearing crosses, people looked at them as if they were crazy. Um, and, you know, perhaps they were a little crazy. If you're not a little crazy for the Lord, then you really haven't 
figured it out. You haven't understood that he has a crazy love for us. And the only adequate response is to be crazy in love with him. Not just to fulfill our obligations, you know, get our punch cards, you know, punched uh, so that, you know, we get enough points. There are not enough frequent flyer points in the world to make it to heaven. It's not about following rules. It's about a relationship with the living God who limited himself in taking on human nature. The unlimited, uncircumscribed, invisible, uh, unchanging Lord takes upon himself our human nature with all of its weaknesses. Um, That's a crazy love. And then from the cross, when he is betrayed by just about everybody, well, his mother stayed true to him, and a few of the women, interestingly enough, um, the apostles weren't half the man that these women were who followed Jesus. They had the boldness, the courage to stand up to everyone and say, nevertheless, I follow him. And on the cross, as he's dying, he basically says, this is how much I love you. Deal with it. Deal with this. It's an amazing thing. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't think that I fully dealt with it. I felt God's love for me. I felt it in very concrete ways throughout my life. I'm grateful. I thank the Lord. But I doubt that I've even scratched the surface of the significance of the fact that the Lord of the universe loves me. Do you think uh, your representative in uh, the the U.S. House of Representatives knows or cares about you uh, other than about your vote? Do you think your senators do? Do you think that the President of the United States knows you and cares about you, loves you, and would be ready to die for you? No. But the Lord of the universe, the creator of everything that exists. He knows me. He loves me. 
and he did die for me. And that goes for you as well. Uh, you know, that should blow our minds, but we're so in this rut of the usual, the things that we're accustomed to, that this doesn't shake us up. That's why the Lord has to shake us up every once in a while. And a saying like this, if you want to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. Now your cross may be your job, whether paid or volunteer. Your cross may be a co-worker, a neighbor, a family member. Your cross could be your spouse. Your uh, cross is the vehicle that our Lord has custom chosen for you for your sanctification so that you might learn and that you might grow from this constant thorn in your side. Because you know, the, uh, the fact is that pain elicits either bitterness or wisdom. Wisdom is something different than knowledge. That's the whole problem with our education system today from kindergarten to the Ph.D. And, you know, I have a doctorate, so I, I can tell you from the inside. There are a lot of people who have a lot of knowledge but have very little wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to see the big picture, to see things the way God sees them. How many people do you know like that uh, in uh, your memories of your own education? So, wisdom is usually acquired only through some great testing, through perhaps a suffering. Um, and when we go through that and overcome the temptation to give up, to give in, we take a step forward and we understand things as they really are, not as they appear and not as uh, the popular imagination would have it and certainly not as 
the media and uh, Hollywood and the politicians and big tech, all the high and the mighty of today uh, would present it to us. Uh, the only valid narrative in this age of narratives is that uh, in the, to, to use the words of that famous 1980s book, uh, I'm okay, you're okay, the biggest lie, you know. Bec the truth, this is the true narrative. I'm not okay, you're not okay, but that's okay because God loves us. Sinners uh, though we are, we don't deserve that love. But he loves us anyway. And the cross is the symbol of that. So halfway through the great fast, halfway through Lent, we celebrate the cross as a sign of victory. A victory over what? Victory over selfishness. That is what Jesus demonstrates to us. Because selfishness is the big problem of the human race. Uh, we don't like authority, unless, of course, we are the authority. Then it's not so bad. But we don't like authority, and this has been going on since the first human beings. There's a rebelliousness about us. And so we want to be the center of the universe. And uh, it's false. It'll never happen because God is the center of the universe. Um, it's a dirty job. A dirty job that even Mike Rowe would not want to take. Um, so... But this job is all about love, unconditional love. Why is it that dogs are capable of unconditional love, but we have such a hard time with it, and we think we're superior? Because we can read and write and speak intelligibly, and... Uh, we can code, yeah. we can create artificial intelligence. That puts us at the top of the ladder, doesn't it? But we don't know how to love unconditionally. We have got a ways to go. Now, in the letter to the Hebrews, the first reading today, this is from the beginning of a whole section that runs from chapter 5 to chapter 7 um, in which the Melchizedek priesthood is uh, expounded upon. And the Melchizedek priesthood is different from uh, the Aaronic priesthood, not ironic priesthood, that would be me. 
Right. It's ironic that I'm a priest. Um, the Aaronic, from Aaron, the brother of Moses, uh, the Levitical priesthood, it's called, because he was of the tribe of, tribe of Levi. And um, in that priesthood, um, the high priest brought offerings to God for the sins of the people, but for his own sins. And in our uh, Eucharistic prayer, our anaphora, uh, you will hear uh, those words said also, you know, for our sins and the ignorance of the people is the phrase most often used. My great-grandfather, who was a priest, I come from a very long line of priests, used to say that hell will be populated mostly by the clergy because the lay people can always say, well, I didn't know. But the clergy will have no excuse. So if you want to look me up in the afterlife, you'll know my address. Um, because I have sinned even though I have intimate knowledge. So we, we pray that the Lord forgive our sins of the clergy and the ignorance, the, the unknowing of uh, the people. But really, in the New Testament, there is only one priest, and that is Jesus Christ, who offers himself for the life of the world. And he is the high priest, the high priest, the one and only, the quintessential, because he does not have to offer anything for his own sins because he is without sin. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't understand us and our predicament because he took upon himself human nature in its fullness, lacking only one thing, sin, which is not natural, which is against nature. So he is the real natural man. Remember that song? You make me feel like a natural woman. Well, Jesus is the natural man. He does not have a perverted human nature like we do, one that has been twisted by sin. And so he offers a pure sacrifice. And it does not include the slaughter of any animals. We're very careful to not have anything that might project the image of any other sacrifice being offered to the Lord. We don't allow any flowers on our altar. We will not allow a leather-bound book on our altar. Then there can be nothing that was deprived of life on that altar except for him 
who gives his life for the life of the world. So he is the high priest. And our bishops share in his high priesthood. And we priests share in the bishop's share of Jesus' high priesthood. It's a diminishing factor, but you know what? You also are priests. Because you are to mediate between the world and God. And that is the essence of priesthood. The royal priesthood, uh, which belongs to all of the baptized. That is a share with the priests and the bishops in the priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And who was Melchizedek? He was, he's identified in the book of uh, Genesis as the king of Salem, which it later becomes Jerusalem. And he encounters Abraham. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the three patriarchs. He encounters Abraham, and he ministers to Abraham, and then he brings a, a thanks offering to God, the one, the highest God, uh, which is understood as being the same God that Abraham worships. But what does he offer? Bread and wine. And for 2,000 years, that was a very mysterious thing to the Israelites until this new priest came and offered himself for the life of the world using bread and wine in the deal. An offering of self that does not include the slaughter of anybody that is the life that we are called to. And uh, unlike those who uh, think only about the means being justified by an end that they have in mind, all the utopians of the world who would slaughter millions to achieve a, a better society. Um, you say, no. No killing of anyone. He has offered himself. And we, in some small way, are to carry our crosses to offer ourselves for the life of the world for the life of those who might be our cross. And it could be one person, it could be many. But to offer ourselves. And then we are in union with our Lord God and Savior, 
Jesus Christ. What more could anyone ask but to be in perfect union with him? And just as Melchizedek sealed the deal with an offer of bread and wine, so we bring this bread and wine, which in some way that we do not understand actually becomes the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And we are nourished by it. So there's sacrifice, but the Lord knows that we need to be nourished along the way of this self-sacrifice. And what does he give? Himself. Under the appearance of bread and wine. I remember when I was a kid, they used to tell us, Wonder Bread builds young bodies 12 ways. Well, we have the real Wonder Bread. And its significance lies specifically in Jesus' self-offering on the cross. And the cross for us is not a place to stop because it always points to the resurrection. First Jesus's and then eventually ours. So we sing, To your cross, O Master, we bow down in veneration and we glorify your holy resurrection. We're at the midpoint of the great past. If you haven't started doing anything, if you haven't noticed, if you haven't tried to find a direction forward, it's not too late. Do it. Take up your cross and follow him. It's the only path that leads to perfect happiness, perfect joy in the Lord's perfect love. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Slava Isusu Christo. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory.